This is a special My Cinematic Bucket List mini-review of one of the 2024 Academy Award nominees for Best Picture. For the 10 days leading up to Hollywood's Big Night, you can hear about one of the movies up for an Oscar. We have eight days and eight films to go. Today, we are going to talk about Poor Things, directed by Yorgos Lathramos. I started listening to the score at one point. I was not a fan, but I knew I was in for a quirky time. I stopped listening to the score after about two minutes and decided to just experience the score as I watched the movie. That was an excellent decision. It was a rare occasion, but I went to the theater with my cousin to watch Poor Thing. It's rare that I get to the theater these days, but I think I'm going to have to start regularly. It's just really nice to have to focus on the film instead of having distractions all around me. Emma Stone plays Bella Baxter, a fully grown woman with the mind of a child who runs into all sorts of adventures and people as she travels and experiences the world. She is parented by Godwin Baxter, played by the ever-excellent Willem Dafoe. Godwin, or God as Bella calls him, is an eccentric scientist and professor at a local university. His looks are challenging, and many of his students are repulsed by him. They basically call him a quack. One of his students, Max McCandless, played by Rami Youssef, is a student who finds God's methods and teaching styles intoxicating and ends up working as God's assistant. He is tasked with monitoring and recording Bella and her actions. Just as God decides that Max should marry Bella, sensing their interest in each other, an interloper interested in the marriage contract appears. Duncan Wedd, played by Mark Ruffalo, sweeps Bella off her feet and runs off with her but not before promising that he is a cad and a womanizer and always will be. Bella, taking him at his word, goes on to experience anything and everything, much to Duncan's dismay. Emma Stone as Bella Baxter acted her butt off in this movie. She's up for Best Actress, and she's my personal favorite so far for this category. I haven't watched every nominee yet, so don't panic. Emma grows with every role that she takes. At one point, I thought, wow, from Ghosts of Girlfriends Past to Poor Things. I have always been a fan of hers, and I look forward to seeing what character she embodies next. Mark Ruffalo definitely deserves the Best Supporting Actor nomination for this role. I was so used to his laid-back style in 13 going on 30 and, of course, the Incredible Hulk in the Marvel franchise. He plays Duncan Wedd much broader than he played anyone in recent memory, and he is hilarious. He is a man scorned, and he is very dramatic. I love how Bella flipped the script on him. Willem Dafoe, who plays Bella's parent, Godwin Baxter, was fascinating, and I wanted more information about his background. He was a little tough to look at. But it makes me wonder not only what happened to his face, but what his own origin story is. His raising of Bella started off as an experiment, but he clearly cares for her and started treating her like a daughter. Poor Things and Barbie were both movies dealing with a woman's experience out in the world. Of course, Barbie dealt with the Barbie world and then the real world as we experience it. Poor Things was set in a weird late 1800s parallel universe that I couldn't quite place. Because Bella was raised by God and Swiney, the maid slash nanny played by Catherine Hunter, she was raised free and able to move about the house with very little regard to social norms and sexual roles. She wore women's clothes, but she was allowed to see things the way she naturally saw them. No one seemed to impose their will on her, which is important to note due to events late in the film. She was allowed to have her own thoughts and to express them. 
Her discovery about her identity completed her education about how the world worked. She pretty much ran the gambit of realizing who the good men were and who were the bad ones in relation to where she stood in the world. Speaking of that world, as I already mentioned, I couldn't tell what time period it was. I saw maybe it was a little steampunk with those flying trams in the air. Clearly, they were on wires, so it wasn't a space movie. But even still, I guess it was supposed to be the early 1900s or late 1800s, and then the costumes didn't give me much of a clue. The dresses had puffy sleeves, and they were long gowns, but then they threw in some modern pieces, which threw you off even more. Like, translucent dresses? At one point, Bella walks out in a miniskirt, and I expected people to have a fit. Nobody paid any mind to her whatsoever. I will note that it seemed that Bella was the only one wearing the quirky costumes. Everyone looked of the period, whatever the period that was. At least they were all in the same period. <laughs> also, what was with her long black hair that was worn out? That was also strange. Between what was happening on the screen and the things that you were seeing, it seemed that the movie was designed to be very disjointed and meant to keep the viewer off kilter. What kept you off kilter was Jerskin Fendrick's score. I have to say, it went perfectly with the movie. It's not something that I would listen to on a relaxing evening, but the quirkiness of the movie and the quirkiness of the score really went hand in hand. I liked each of the chapter titles, by the way, and I thought that the use of black and white while Bella was in the house versus the use of color when she was out experiencing the world was a very cool concept. I love the set design. I thought the interior of God's house was creatively designed. The cities, such as Lisbon and Paris, was very specifically designed. Even the house of ill repute that Bella stays in for a little while. That looked great. I, I don't know much about this director's work aside from The Favorite, which I didn't finish. So I will definitely do a little more research on him, but I felt like it was as stylized as a Wes Anderson movie. I didn't notice the color palette, though, in this movie, aside from the black and white and the color, depending on where you were, and that would have made it a little more Wes Anderson-esque. I thought Poor Things was a lovely film, while being rather ribald, as a good friend <laughs> asked me if it was, and I had to agree. I appreciated all of the performances and really just thought it was fun and funny. I'm looking forward to more from Yorgos, and I'm really looking forward to what's next for Emma. Warning, the movie is definitely not for kids, so parents beware. Worth the Oscar nod? Yes. So far, it's my favorite to win. This has been my Cinematic Bucket List, and I'm your host, Valerie Higgs. Stay tuned for tomorrow's mini-review of the 2024 Academy Award nominees for Best Picture.